I'm Mindy Peterson, and this is Enhanced Life with Music, a holistic look at the power of music in our everyday lives. My guest today is joining me from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Anthony Molinero is a professional musician, teacher, and fellow podcaster. He spent 15 years as a classroom teacher. He holds the Delcro certificate and is the Eurythmics instructor at Carnegie Mellon University's Preparatory Academy. Welcome to Enhanced Life with Music, Anthony. Thanks, Mindy. I'm so glad to be here. Thanks for inviting me. My pleasure. Well, I'm really looking forward to our conversation because I'm sort of tangentially aware of mm-hmm. Delcro's Eurythmics. I've heard a lot of other music teachers mention it down through the years, always in a very positive light, but I really don't know a whole lot about it. You're an advocate for Delcro's education. You serve as the board chair of the Delcro Society of America, and you're a national presenter on Delcro's pedagogy. So tell us, what is Delcro's Eurythmics? How do you explain it to someone who's not familiar? Sure. This is like the the uh, you know the time-honored tradition of the Eurythmics teacher is trying to explain it uh, to <laughs> people in an elevator pitch. It's, it's a difficult uh, thing to do because it's so experiential. Um, it is something that is way better to experience. So with that in mind, I'll endeavor to give you a, uh, a pitch. So um, first of all, I, I like to point out that the Delcro's method is 100 years old. Um, over a hundred years old. It, you know, it's hard to put an exact date on it, but uh, Emile Jacques Dalcroze was lecturing about his methods for teaching music in the early 1900s, like 1910, 1911, 1912, something like that. And uh, he's a, he was a Swiss teacher who, uh, the history of it is that he was a, uh, a teacher at the conservatory in Geneva, Switzerland. Um, and, and he, um, had noticed that he was kind of unsatisfied with his students' sort of natural instincts for music and felt they were just way thinking way too much and not feeling enough. And so he started to develop, to develop um, exercises that were physical, uh, that involved movement. It was, you know, at the time in the early 1900s, you know, extremely you know, unheard of. I mean, this kind of thing was not training that was ever done. And so it was really cutting edge. And even to this day, still remains to be pretty ahead of its time. And so that's the the genesis of the method, and it involves uh, learning and knowing music through physical experience. There's a series of movement activities and, and exercises that we do that help us to sort of connect to musical elements through this embodied experience. I myself uh, was trained as a Dalcrosian from a very young age. Um, I started uh, these classes when I was five years old. Um, oh, really? So, yeah, I really had a rare opportunity to kind of really be oriented to it fundamentally. And even most Eurythmics teachers don't have that luxury. Even most Eurythmics teachers came to it later. But I, I came to it from yeah. a very young age. And, um, mm. and it's really informed primarily my own musicianship and then from there my teaching. Uh-huh. Well, you, when you started the explanation, you said it's easiest to understand when you experience it because it is so experiential. And immediately I thought of a video that's on your website that shows a class in various aspects of learning in this way. So I think the very first segment of the video shows students kind of skipping in different patterns, depending on what rhythmic pattern they're hearing you play Mm -hmm. on the piano. And then I think the second segment is the students listening to 
I think the same rhythms and instead of skipping the different rhythms, they're notating them on individual little whiteboards. Mm -hmm. And so it shows sort of different aspects of how students are learning through this method or using these principles. And it really does help to grasp and understand a little bit more of the method itself. In terms of just describing it verbally, which is what we have to work with today in our podcast. Um, And I'll I'll certainly include a link to that video too in the show notes. So so listeners can certainly go and check that out. But in in terms of describing it some more verbally, Delcro's Eurythmics incorporates the basic elements of music, rhythm, melody, harmony with body movement. So it's Mm -hmm. this multi-dimensional approach to learning music. And I think there's no real set curriculum. Right. Yeah. That's one of the things about Docker's Rhythmics that is a big differentiator between it and some of the other methods is it, there's not a sequence really that was like agreed upon in the Dalcros community. We, we sort of have this idea of, I call it an inside out approach where we start with what you can experience and then bring it up into a a level of understanding, conscious understanding, right? So whatever concept it is, however we can get you to experience it physically. Like, so let's say we're talking about meter. I think meter is a really clear one to describe. So Mm -hmm. if I'm talking about if something's in three, four time or four, four time, I never use the numbers to describe it ever. What I use to describe it is the feeling of it, right? So this one would be, you know, maybe I might call it a down, out, up pattern, or a circle pattern. That's a three pattern. It's got a certain feeling to it. Right? It's got this feeling uh-huh. of three. We don't count it. We feel the three. And then when we go to notate it, then we, we're operating from that supposition that we're first able to experience what that is and then give it a name. And so all of the mm-hmm. concepts, any concept can be done this way. So I think about the sequence thing more like you would think about it in like a yoga class, right? So okay. it's kind of like, you know, you, the, you know, there's not a certain, you know, set number of poses you have to learn in yoga in some particular order. Obviously, there's ones that are easier that you start with, but, you know, it's just about getting a really strong musical workout and, and getting stronger in all of these different concepts and being able to you know, bring about that realization on each one in its own time through the experience. So it's, hmm. it's really, it, it's very individual for each student. And depending on what kind of room I walk into and what level the students are at, then that's where I'll start. Well, you mentioned one of the benefits of this method, just when you're talking about its inception, its genesis, and Del Crows, the teacher, was looking for a method of teaching that would make music more intuitive to his students. And he was concerned that they were a little bit too in their head and not really feeling it and being approaching it from a more intuitive perspective. Mm -hmm. And I could see that being fantastic because I'm totally that way. (laughs) Like I, I totally overthink things and need to just sometimes go with my gut more or just experience something more. I could also see this method being really helpful though for For students who tend to learn in a more kinesthetic type of a way, 
I mean, schools tend to be set up for people like me who are very visual Mm -hmm. learners. And you kind of feel bad for those kids that just that's not their primary mode of learning. That's Mm -hmm. not necessarily where they thrive. And so I could see this method of learning being really helpful for them. Do you see that with some of the different styles of learning in students that come into your class? Yeah, I mean, you know, as teachers, we're encouraged to be multimodal, right? And and I, I think often the one that gets the short end of the stick there is that kinesthetic learning um, mm-hmm. in, our, in our public school system. I mean, I comment all the time about how our children are sitting in desks way too much. And in my room, we don't even have any desks. So, mm. you know, the the, uh, the children come in and, and we're very physical the whole time. And I would say that in music classes, it's very helpful. The kids have a great time. It's very freeing and natural. And like, I, sometimes I tell a story, and I'm not sure how much I want to get into it, but you know, if you ask a hundred people if they like music, just ask a hundred people on the street if they like music. How many of them say yes? Like most, all of them, if not all. Yeah, yeah. And ask that same hundred people if they like music class or practicing. Yeah, and <laughs> and, uh, and you get a different answer. You know, I'm, I'm not uh-huh. depending on what their experience was, and, and that's kind of a shame because if we have a subject matter that's that popular right? How how is it that we're not able to make it more enjoyable? And I kind of compare it to like, if you had a class called ice cream class, imagine that, okay, you have this class called ice cream class. And but then the kids come and you don't actually give them any ice cream. You talk about Mm -hmm. ice cream, maybe you learn the history of ice cream. Maybe they watch you eat ice cream a little bit, Uh you know, but that that would be frustrating, wouldn't it? You know, like, so, so the, the point, the, the beautiful thing about Eurythmics is that I can give the students a very robust, full musical experience without the barrier of them having to learn how to play an instrument or having them how to learn how to match pitch or sing with a great tone. They can get it just, the instrument is their body and they can gain that beautiful musical experience through these movement exercises, sustained flow through these things. Like, you know, it, it's one thing to sing a song that's kind of fun and that's nice and then it's over. But like the Dalco's exercises just flow on and on and the students get lost in it. And it is like, it's very, very compelling for them. They really enjoy it. Mm-hmm. Not because it's silly playtime, not because I'm such a funny teacher or something, or I wear silly costumes or that the lights are particularly bright or whatever. It's because the musical experience is so rich, they enjoy it. And that's why I've been sold on the Dalco's method for so long, because it helps me make music the same center of my class. Wow, that's pretty powerful. I mean, it really is sort of a, it taps into that natural playfulness of students in a way. And it's also sort of taps into that inability of a lot of young kids to sit still. Kind of like those that there was a trend for a while in school classrooms to replace desk chairs with Mm. those balls, Mm -hmm, you know, mm -hmm. because it kind of (laughs) was like they have this energy that they need Mm -hmm. to sort of use and the, the balls tapped into that. And I see Delcro's kind of doing that too, where it, it gets kids moving. They're not expected to sit still on a bench and just sit and listen to an adult speak. Yeah. Are the Delcro's classes just for kids or are they for no, adults? No, 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 no. In, in fact, you know, so Emil Jacques Delcro's, you know, made his method for adults, right? So that, that's an important distinction ah, as well. Like, okay. you know, he, he was dealing with college students and, uh, you know, professionals. And then he learned how to take what he found down to and use with children. And I would say a majority of Eurythmics teachers actually teach 
at the collegiate level. There's a strong group of us who, are, who teach children. Uh, I tend to specialize in children, although I'm doing more work with teacher training and on older students as well. But you know, my specialty is definitely the young ones. But the, the yeah, it's certainly not just for kids. In fact, you know, I still will take a Eurythmics class and feel like I gained something myself as a musician. You know, it, it's it still informs my musicianship to this day. So it's very powerful. Does the its style, the style and the principles of the the method lend itself more to say preschool children who might be too young to take a more traditional say piano lesson class? I think well there's a there's a lot of discussion in the Dow Crows community about this topic in that it's it is a great selling point of it in that it's a great primer for mm-hmm. um for instrumental practice but I would say that because the principles are so strong it does work really really well for preschool kids but I wouldn't say that it is better necessarily for preschool kids than it is for upper elementary kids, you know, I mean, I feel like at every level, there's a way that these principles really create a lot of joy and a lot of musical experience. I think the one, the, the great selling point of the preschool child is that it kind of works around what our like theoretical understanding of music is or like literacy or these things. It kind of doesn't end around around these things. So it allows you to, you know, things like it doesn't, you can do it without a lot of fine motor coordination, right? It's gross. Mm -hmm. It's all Mm -hmm. gross motor stuff or it can be. So we can really tap into things like bilateral movement that are like, you know, developmentally for a preschool kid, just that like idea of reaching across their body is sort mm-hmm. of like, Ooh, and that's like a developmental section. And we can start to kind of see that emerge in the mm-hmm. Dow work. Things like that are, are really interesting. And, um, you know, I, I think it's powerful for all levels. I, I think if you're a preschool teacher, it should definitely be something you should think about incorporating. I think if you're teaching elementary, if you're teaching college, all the way up to the work that it's being done with senior citizens with it, actually, which mm. is actually some of the most exciting work that's being done right now. Yeah, I definitely want to get save some time to talk about that. When you said bilateral movement, that remind me, I hear a lot about that with kids who have autism. So mm-hmm. I can imagine that this is really helpful for kids who have autism too. Well, the Delcro's approach, it trains the body in rhythm and dynamics. Does it also use solfege? Yeah. Yeah. So there's a whole, you know, branch of this of the methods that's Delcrosian solfege. And I'm I have become more and more facile with it in my own practice. Like I'm using it more and more in my own teaching. Um, It's very cool because it's the same principle. It's about experiencing. What is the experience of, you know, the harmony? What is the experience of the tonality? And how can we kind of capture that in a physical way? It's very, very interesting. And again, it kind of gamifies everything too. So it makes everything very engaging in a way because of the the way that the Dalcro's method is so good at being playful. Hmm. So these like these solfege exercises are extremely playful and extremely powerful in their ability to internalize the sensation of these things instead of just thinking about it as this sort of cognitive exercise, ear training, mm-hmm. right? It's like about actually training the body to attenuate to these sort of uh, concepts of pitch and harmony. So it's very, yeah. very cool stuff. And I, I encourage anybody who's who's interested in this stuff to follow up and do some more research. You'll see, I mean, it's very, it's very interesting to see how it unfolds. Now, what, a caveat I usually give is that 
you know, these things are so experiential. I said this at the beginning too. It, it's even if you go look at some videos, sometimes you're looking at it and it's hard to tell what's going on. And something is like my project these days is figuring out how to make, you know, these concepts more accessible to people via online platforms. And so if mm-hmm. people are following my work, they'll see that this is the endeavor that I'm on is to try to figure out how to make these concepts work in these platforms. And it, it, it's, it's very interesting to see these challenges. This is a quick break to tell you about Lipson, the service that I use to host my podcast. I chose Lipson when I started Enhanced Life with Music in 2019 because I wanted a provider who had been in the space since the beginning, knew what they were doing, and wouldn't be throwing any wrenches into what I already knew would be a learning curve for me as a new podcaster. I wanted to know that my host would be dependable and make my podcasting experience as smooth as possible for me and for my listeners. I have never looked back. Lipson has great communication about industry changes and new publishing outlets available, as well as fast, clear customer support whenever I have a question. Lipson is offering up to two months of free podcasting service to enhance life with music listeners using the promo code ENHANCE. Just click the link in the show notes to bring your podcast to life and have your voice heard on any and all podcast directories, including Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and more. Again, just click on the promo code ENHANCE in the show notes to bring your podcast to life and get up to two months of free podcasting service with Lipson. I think one of the other key aspects of the Delcro's approach is improv. Is that right? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. And that kind of plays into that whole concept of making this a full body, holistic integration of music rather than just a cerebral mm-hmm. cognitive exercise. But talk to us about the role that improvisation plays in the Delcro's approach. Yeah, I mean, I think that that's one of the things that people see right on the front on the surface of it when they watch a Dalcro's teacher or they watch a class or they take a class is like, oh, this is there's so much improvisation happening. And it's true. I mean, I think Emile Jacques found that improvisation was a great avenue to gaining fluency as a musician. So think about it in terms of language. You learn to speak basically by improvising actually first a little bit by echoing and then and then eventually you just start improvising your speech and then eventually you learn to read it and then um and speak you know speak what you're reading and then what you w- would endeavor to do when you were like maybe reading fluently from a from a passage would be to speak it in a way that was extemporaneous right to speak it in a way as if it was improv improvised mm-hmm. right and in music, we sort of, it can follow a similar trajectory, right? If you can learn how to improvise convincingly and naturally and expressively in your own way, whenever you play a Beethoven piece, it should sound as if it's just coming off the top of your head. It should sound so fluid and so fluent as if it's your expression. You know, as somebody who comes from a background where improvisation was part of my sort of upbringing as a musician and a big part of my life as a professional musician, that training that I received in the Dalcro's method, it, it makes improvisation very natural and sort of unscary because again, we can improvise just through our physical movements in ways that are very natural and very 
you know, unassuming. So you, you, before you know it, you're improvising something. You didn't even realize it was mm-hmm. happening, you know, instead of sitting down at the piano and being like, okay, make up some music. <laughs> like that's like extremely intimidating for people, right. you know, but the Dow Jones approach brings it about in a very gradual way that makes it extremely natural. Yeah. Well, you use the word somewhere in there of expression, and I could see this really being helpful in developing that skill within students of allowing them to play with expression or sing with expression just because of how they're being taught and how they're going about learning this in this holistic, full body way. Do students learn how to read a musical score using this method? Absolutely. Yeah. And again, I, I, it kind of comes about in the same way we think about literacy in um, language. You know, we start with the experience of it. Like, so for instance, if you, to, when you learn to read, right, you learned, first you learned to say like, Hey, I want an apple. And your mom gave you an apple. She goes, it's so cute. You said apple. Here you go. Here's an apple. And then eventually, you know, somebody said, well, here's how you spell apple. Right. And usually there was like a picture of an apple next to it. And then, okay, I get it. And then you you kind of figure that out. Right. And so music's like kind of a similar trajectory. First, we might be improvising a pattern, a rhythmic pattern or a melodic pattern. We might be using it out of context. And then eventually you sort of abstractly put it up onto a staff. I usually start with like a one line staff. So which is like do, re, mi, and then, you know, just make a very simple little pattern. And like the, I mean, the, the students pick it up so fast if you mm. simplify it. Uh-huh. And then before you know it, they're reading on the one-line staff. You add a line. Now it's a two-line staff. And now it's a three-line staff. By the time they're in third or fourth grade, they're reading all five lines. And I didn't even ever have to tell them any, every good boy does fine, hmm. any of that stuff, kind of like those kind of shortcuts that we use. Yeah. It's all cerebral stuff. That's like abstract, right? It's like the idea of experiential growth. It's like, well, of course, that's how you would write that. That makes yeah, sense. Yeah, just a very organic type of a progression. Yeah, exactly. Huh, interesting. Well, let's go back to what you said about using Delcro's Eurythmics with the elderly, with senior citizens. Yeah. And tell us about what's going on with that. I want, I'm want. i excited to hear about that. Yeah, well, it's a big um, movement actually in Switzerland, which is still the, the Institute Jacques Delcro's um, in Switzerland is still very active. It's still the, if you are going to be certified in Delcro's Eurythmics, that means that you have at some point studied with somebody who studied at the Institute in Geneva, right? Okay. So they still have a very strong connection to things and they've really been doing a lot of work. There's a, a researcher up there called Reto Kressig, and he has a study that pretty definitively shows that Eurythmics reduces falls hmm. uh, for the elderly and, and increases their balance and their flexibility in their joints. And actually, it's, it's so definitive that insurance companies in Switzerland are paying for, for nice. their patients take your rhythmics oh, uh, because it, the benefits have been so clearly shown through research. Yeah. Um, how but far also, away uh, are we from that here? Right, yeah, well, so, yeah. Well, we don't have enough practitioners to do it on that level, but we certainly have people doing this work. There's a good friend of mine named Leslie Upchurch in um, New York City. I'm sure she'll listen to this. And she uh, is doing, she's one of the kind of premier people in uh, the States for this sort of work. And she uh, she talks about it in lectures. I've seen her do several demos with it. it it's fantastic. And there's, there's cognitive benefits and, you know, just like emotional benefits, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, like, I mean, obviously music therapy is something that we've known about for a long time as having benefits. And uh-huh. I wish there was more buy-in for music therapy in general, but Eurythmics as a, as a sort of branch of music therapy is showing a lot of promise. And, um, you know, that's part of the reason I'm here. Mindy is to, to tell people 
to uh, do some, do look into getting some training, look into this stuff because the work is so powerful. We can do so much with it. I'm a, a big believer in, in these sort of benefits, but uh, the work being done with the elderly is so important. And I think, you know, it could be a game changer. Yeah, well, I'll definitely include any links that you can send me on what's going on in terms of research and application of this method in those therapeutic uses. Any other therapeutic applications that you want to talk about in terms of how Dalcros is being used to promote wellness through social emotional learning and mindfulness, anything like that? You know, it's so funny. At my my school, they they bought this SEL curriculum for the whole school called Mind Up which I'm, I'm not necessarily shilling for, but that is what that curriculum was called. Uh-huh. And um, they came to me and they said, hey, there's some lessons here that are like music-y. I'm not sure what they are. <laughs> like, and, and they looked at him and you know what? They were, they were Dalcro's lessons, like exactly oh, really? like I do them. Oh, and I was wow. like, whoa, 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 whoa. Because they, they get it because it involves such integration of the body and the mind and it's meditative in a certain way. Mm. And it's very much requires like awareness you know, awareness is a big thing I talk about a lot. Mm. And these ideas that if you are, you know, conscious of your own internal feelings and also sensitive to the people around you, right? This is like a synergy that happens in a, in a Eurythmics class. Mm-hmm. And it, 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 it encourages empathy and it normalizes vulnerability. Mm. And it's, it's so great for children and teenagers and young adults to be practicing yeah. as they're kind of navigating the, the, you know, the trying times that we have, you know, how much stuff is happening in virtual space. And that's, and I'm working on how to, how to make Eurythmics work better in virtual spaces. Cause I think that's the way things are going, but boy, it's so nice to be in a physical moment with somebody, mm-hmm. you know, and present in that way. And Eurythmics just requires that of you, which is really yeah. interesting. What kind of growth are you seeing in Delcro's practice in terms of awareness, interest, attention in the scientific community? Sure. You know, it's obviously it's a hundred year old method. So it's had its peaks and valleys throughout the years. There was a big renaissance in the 1980s. That's kind of, I was born in 1980. And so I sort of got swept up in whatever kind of push was happening in the 1980s. That's sure. how I got oriented to it. Uh-huh. And we're really seeing a nice upward trajectory for the practice right now. You know, as I recently uh, termed out as the board chair of the Dalcro Society of America, although I am, I am still heavily involved in it. So just okay. a, uh, earlier in the thing in my bio, it's yeah. still, that's <laughs> just, it. On, just on July 1st, I termed out, but I'm still definitely around there. But, you know, we're seeing our membership increase rapidly. We're seeing a, a younger, more active, more vibrant, um, you know, community embracing this these ideas. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just uh, was able to coordinate basically a roundtable discussion with like the leadership of all of the other major music education organizations in the States to start a conversation about how we can help each other on our common cause. We're seeing, you know, not only music education, I think on the ascendant, but I think, uh, you know, Eurythmics is, is in, in a lot of ways, you know, leading the way in sort of becoming more unified with our, uh, with our, as a practice uh, of music education. So, you know, I think that uh, Eurythmics is, um, you know, the Dalcro's practice is ascendant and we are um, excited about the future. How can listeners find out what kind of programming is available in their area? The Dalcro's, uh, dalcrosusa.org um, is the Dalcro's Society of America website. And that would have like your biggest sort of 
aggregate of all of the training centers that are endorsed. But I, I definitely recommend people to check out my Substack I'm writing. It's at uh, musicxt.substack.com. That's the main resource I'm getting behind right now. I think it's the best way for me to s- sort of share these ideas and kind of direct people where we need to go and get to know the community a bit. And it's a free subscribe, but people should subscribe to that Substack if they really want to kind of get educated in this stuff. That's really my my main project right now is, uh, is writing on that Substack. And I think it's a great way to uh, initiate people into the community. Sure. Yeah. I'll definitely have a link to that in the show notes. You also have a website, you have a podcast. And- yeah. The new Dalcrosian is the podcast. It's a great podcast. I co-host it with Lauren Hodson and that's a great way if people are listening to this, they're already into podcasts. Uh-huh. Just look up uh, the new Dalcrosian and that one is, uh, we're all, we're always putting out, well, we're sporadically putting out episodes I'll say, but, okay. we're, uh, <laughs> but they are, they're, they're great interviews with some of the world's leading Dalcros practitioners. Any other information that you want listeners to know about the resources that you offer or any additional resources that you want listeners to know about? Yeah, I mean, there's a, a, a there's a lot of interesting stuff. And, and, and because you're of the nature of your podcast, I've listened to several of your episodes. Uh, people should also check out what's called the International Conference of Dalcro's Studies. So Dalcro's Studies is this sort of this organization that's interested in research-based um, sort of crossover with neuroscience, crossover with uh, music therapy, crossover with a lot of different uh, hist- histories, and um, you know how do how does the Dalcros method fit into these other disciplines? It's very very interesting stuff. In fact, our uh, the conference in 2023 will be at Carnegie Mellon, where I am mm. um, on faculty, so it'll be a real interesting experience. But you know, th- there's some great work being done to you know sort of. Uh, quantify some of the benefits of the Dalcros method scientifically. And, right. you know, this is, you know, could, I don't think Emile Jacques could have ever, you know, <laughs> foreseen uh, that that would have been possible. And a lot of the things he's intuited a hundred years ago, we're finding are able to be backed up mm. with research, which is super interesting. Yeah. Well, this has been great. I am really fascinated by this whole method now and want to dig in some more. I'll definitely include, like I said, lots of links in the show notes for other listeners who want to do the same thing. Anthony, I ask all my guests to close out our conversation with a musical ending, a coda, by sharing a song or story about a moment that music enhanced your life. Do you have a song or a story that you can share with us today? Sure. Yeah. So there's a song. Um, my wife is a, a wonderful songwriter and singer, and um, uh, we've collaborated on many projects. And, and we've been working on a project recently called Qualia, which is um, you know just a, a collection of her songs. And um, so uh, I, this one's a, a rough mix of one of her more recent songs, which is like I think this beautiful exploration of sort of the arc of life. I think you know I wouldn't I wouldn't want to tell her story too much, but it has to do with um, a relative of hers who sort of died tragically. And it was, uh, had to do with like, you know, this whole arc of, you know, birth and then struggle and then the release of death, which is pretty heavy to talk about right now. But I would say that uh, this is, you know, exactly the kind of statement we can make with music, the kind of thing we can communicate with music that is, uh, makes it so powerful and rich. So I'd like to share this song. It's called The Ground. Blind by the light in the sun 
couldn't be found Little butterfly Remember my face The default I Laid open wide as you crown. Remember the ground. But there were lots of people, they were telling stories. That is a little bit of The Ground by Qualia. You can listen to the full YouTube video in the show notes. Thank you so much to Anthony for joining us today, for sharing this song, and for enlightening us on the practice of the Delcros method. As always, all the resources we mentioned in our conversation and more can be found in the show notes. Also in the show notes are links to more episodes you may enjoy, including an episode on various learning styles, including kinesthetic learning, episodes on the relationship between music and SEL, social emotional learning skills, and an episode on how music's ability to provide structure for movement is being used to treat those with Parkinson's disease. Today's show notes, including a transcript of this episode, can be found at mpetersonmusic.com slash podcast. This is episode 139. A link to the page is also in the episode details right in your podcast listening app. If you have had an experience with the Delcros method, or you seek one out after listening to this episode, I would love to hear about it. You can connect with me on email, mindy at mpetersonmusic.com, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, or LinkedIn. You can also send me a voice memo that I can share with the Enhanced Life with Music community by playing in an upcoming episode. Thank you so much for joining me today. Until next time, may your life be enhanced with music.